the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Very privileged to be joined with CFP Chad Burton. He's a region director and partner for EP Wealth. He is a certified financial planner. He's also a former uh, owner of New Focus Financial with me. Um, always good to have Chad on the air. Mr. Burton, welcome back. Thank you. Been a while. Sorry, busy. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do know that. Life does happen to happen uh, when you're trying to make true. other plans. I think John Lennon once said that. So let's um, start off um, CFP, EP Wealth. You have a great website, chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. It's B-U-R-T-O-N.com. You do a podcast as well, New Focus on Wealth. People can find it, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast. Um, Chad, let's talk about recent market activity because Mm -hmm. 2023 was very different than 2022 and 2022 was very different than 2021. Uh, where are we at at the halfway point of 23? Can you believe we're halfway through already? That's crazy. Like again, life happens really fast. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, this is a, it's a really interesting market because you have so many issues in the economy that are pointing to softness and potential recession. You still have an inverted yield curve, um, but one heck of a rally. And the question is, is, as we go through the second half of the year, is this just a tech wreck rebound or you know, are we going to see improved market breadth like we've seen the last few weeks in terms of other types of stock rallying. So if we put this in perspective, we are halfway through the year. The NASDAQ is up 37%, Rob. Sweet. (laughs) Sounds great, right? Take it if you can get it. Well, if you would have invested in the NASDAQ the first week of January in 2022, you'd still be down eight and a half percent because it was a tech wreck last year. I mean, that's perspective. Yeah. So it's, if, if we're looking back 18 months, we still have a negative return in the NASDAQ. Um, so the first lesson here is, is that when it drops hard, what a great time to buy, right? I mean, when you're doing asset allocation, a lot of people think asset allocation, we could talk about Harry Markowitz because, you know, he's kind of the, the the father of it and he passed not too recently, but asset allocation doesn't mean you're, you're always buying the best, you know, assets out there and the, the top stocks. It means you have a diversified portfolio and when it gets, out of your target, you rebalance. And sometimes that causes you to sell stuff that's up and buy stuff that looks terrible. And boy, did tech look terrible last year. And here we are at a huge rebound this year. So it's up 37%, but still down eight and a half percent in the last 18 months. Um, well, things are working for tech though, um, that make it attractive. They've got a lot of cash. They can buy back shares. 
Um, they're big companies with lots of customers. There's the artificial intelligence angle this year that wasn't there last year. There's some things that are leaning that way or helping push that way. Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, we are in a society where it's going to be science and technology and healthcare kind of all coming together. And AI is uh, super attractive in terms of investing, but super scary in terms of society. <laughs> that's, that's kind of an odd thing, right? I, I like it for society. Um, it helped write one of my ads uh, for Radio Copy recently. And uh, it's not just going to be science, Chad. It's going to be people who can write well and who can, you know, monitor data and input data and massage data. Um, I'm excited by it. Um, tech tends to create jobs while it displace, uh, displaces jobs. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just a shift, right? But yep. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if if they don't start, we've already have you know issues with the normal school system here in the U.S. If they don't start teaching prompt engineering real quick, we're going to have issues um because it, it's definitely an art form in order to use it sure. um getting, getting back to the market i think yes. the other thing that's really really interesting though is what we look at every day is right we look at the s&p 500 and the nasdaq and sometimes the dow jones industrial average which not a lot of people tend to look at um because it's only 30 stocks that's market cap weighted and, and it's just not the companies you hear about as much anymore but the I mean, have you seen how much, how similar now the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 is? It's really interesting because if you were to look back, you know, prior to 2011, I think there was like two energy stocks and it was, you know, S&P 500 was a pretty diversified index. Interesting. And to revisit what it is, it's the 500 largest companies in America, but it's market cap weighted, right? And the QQQ or the NASDAQ has always been known as kind of the more tech index, so if we look at the QQQ and the holding now, now that, you know, Apple hit, what is it, $3 trillion today? Yes. Um, you've got the NASDAQ is made up of 12.9% Microsoft, 12.42% Apple, 6.87% Amazon, 6.84% NVIDIA, 4.25% Meta. Um, you know, you got Tesla, you got the Googles, you got the Avago. You're all the way down to Pepsi before you get out of tech on the NASDAQ. That's only a 1.7% allocation. So a very, you know, tech heavy, a lot of stocks that have really jumped as a result of AI, not as a result of a massive increase in earning or revenue, but as a result of the potential revenue from AI, right? Now, when you look at the S&P 500, which is market cap weighted largest 500 companies in America, it's not equal weighted, it's market cap weighted. So now the S&P 500 is 7.6%. Apple, 6.8% Microsoft, 3.14% Amazon, 2.77% NVIDIA. You got the Googles in there. You got Tesla. You're all the way down, uh, what, 9, 10 stocks down before you get to Berkshire Hathaway at 1.63%, and then United Healthcare, and then finally ExxonMobil. It's not even the top 10. So it's become a very tech-heavy index. So that's why you've got a return this year. Um, you know, uh, uh, the... QQQ, the, the Nasdaq's up 37%. The S&P 500 is up over 15. Um, and so that that's why people are talking about, well, it's a very, it's a big rally in the market, but it's a very few number of stocks that are going up. And, and that's known as not good breadth, not good market breadth. It's like not a lot of stocks were participating in until the last few weeks. Um, and, and one look at that is small cap stocks. If you look at the Russell 2000, it was flat for most of the year and until the last couple of weeks, but it's now up 
um, 7.58% for the year. Which so, is a healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, if you double that and you get, you get that again, which I, it'd be hard for me to, to see that, you know, occurring again over the next six months because of some of the softness. Um, what a great return, right? I mean, S and P 500, when you look over 50 plus years periods is averaged over 11%. It's positive over 74% of the time. Um, so typically double digit returns are normal, but when the market's negative, when it's down, it tends to be down on average. If you add up all the negative years and divide it by the number of negative years, it's around negative 13. So that's why the stock market is often a three steps forward, one step back type of a process. Um, a, a way that I like to look at the market every day to say, okay, how's everything doing together is the ETF is RSP, which is the Invesco S&P 500 equal weighted index, which is if you had 500 bucks and you put it in the ETF, you'd literally have about a dollar in every single company in the S&P 500. Um, that's up 6% for the year. So that shows kind of the difference between tech heavy and just normal stocks up being 6%. And the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index VTI is up about 14.9% um, for the year. So great year so far. Um, starting to get a little bit more participation, but there is some softness that we can talk about going forward. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Chad, we've been talking about market breadth and how it's refreshing to see some of the smaller players come up. And the way I explain it on air is my 401k is outperformed in large cap and S&P and tech in the growth categories, but it's underperformed in small, medium, and international. So when I see a little bit of catch up in those indices, I feel a little bit better about my 401k. Um, it's an odd thing to say, but I even told my spouse, I go, uh, it's nice to see the Russell outperform the NASDAQ because more people in America are like, upping their wealth. Um, but it's, it's, it's a positive, right? Finishing up on this topic. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you look at, you know, fundamentals right now, because if you look at the NASDAQ and you look at the forecast P ratio, it's, it's 26 versus 18 on the S&P 500, 18.8 or so, according to FactSet. Um, so it's not like things are super cheap. When you look at other indexes, like small cap, small cap value, it's much more fundamentally attractive, but what does a small cap company have to do to grow, Rob? Revenue? Um, Operating inside revenue. the United States. Yep. Well, it would even internationally, I mean, the more you can sell to whoever, right? The, the best, but, but typically you have to borrow money to grow, right? Okay. Yeah. You yeah. have, you have these, these issues where you, you get large enough, but man, I've got to hire a next layer of management. I got to buy new equipment. I got to do this right. and you, you're, you're ahead of your revenue. And so you're borrowing money and those borrowing costs have gone up a lot. Um, and there's also some concern with regional banks in the first half of the year. Yep, absolutely. And a small, a lot of small cap value funds have a lot of financial exposure. So that's one of the reasons why they, you know, small cap value has been held back. Interesting. Um, and when I look at a lot of tech companies, I'm looking at, you know, some of the forward PE ratios um, on somewhat flattish revenue to being, you know, it's getting to a little bit of the ridiculous phase. I think it's a really good time if you're close to retirement or in retirement and you're supposed to balance your rebalance your portfolio and replenish your cash. It's now a good time to consider doing a little trimming um, as as you move forward, uh, because we do have a lot of you know you know Germany's in recession, China growth issues. 
one thing that's kind of bucking the trend recently in the U.S. is there's a decent jump in housing starts, pretty good numbers there, because we are still so underbuilt in the United States. And I mean, mortgages are are really kind of normal now, right? I mean, that's what you and I, I mean, my first mortgage, I bought my very first home was 8%. I thought that was a good rate back then. Yeah, so mine, mine was the 9 and 11, and the yeah. 11 was on for the money down. Yep. People still keep buying. It's just they're buying smaller homes. Um but there is, you know, a lot of pressure on profits and it's not like corporate profits had a big increase last quarter, but where, you know, whereas the market did. So, you know, you just got to approach this a little bit cautiously here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and we don't make short term moves anyways. I mean, you know, we're always investing for looking three to five years out in terms of trends and, and growth and things like that. But it is a good time to to take a little profit. I will say that you know, international e- emerging markets is only up four point three percent. International developed is up eleven. I was really hoping that all of a sudden you know Putin would fall and we'd have that Ukraine issue dealt with because overseas the stock fundamentals the the values are are really there. You just have to kind of wait till that's over before you overweight in that area. Tempting to give up, but you shouldn't. Is what you're saying. Um, what do you think about the Warren Buffett phrase that bad news is an investor's best friend and ultimately we're ending a bad news cycle at this point in time where there's going to be a recession, there's going to be more rate hikes, more rate hikes, and now we're starting to look and go, eh, maybe maybe we're close to done, but Jerome Powell's throwing water on that. He's saying like no cuts until 2024, 2025 maybe. Like There's a lot going on with uh, a lot of these assumptions in the market is how I see it. Well, yeah, you just keep getting these numbers where the economy is just continues to hang on. Um, and, you know, they're bent on getting inflation down to 2%, which after decades of really low inflation might be really hard to do. Um, and so they're in restrictive policy mode. And we have to realize that there's two things going on with the Fed. You get, you know, increasing interest rates and they're reducing their balance sheet, which reduces the amount of kind of money floating around out there. And it's more expensive to borrow money and grow. Um, so, you know, before people get too much FOMO on this is, you know, what I kind of call a little bit of an AI rally and what's still in tech rebound mode, you know, let's this, um, you know, don't get over your skis, make sure you know what your risk tolerance is and how your portfolio should look based on that risk tolerance and where you are in life in terms of, am I close to retirement? I'm, am I in retirement when you're younger and you're buying stocks, you know, before you're 50 years old, whatever, you just keep buying. Right. I mean, you told that story about uh, you had an IRA that you forgot you bought Microsoft in years ago, mid nineties, mid nineties. What was it? Two two thousand bucks. It was two thousand. It was just IRA, IRA contribution. I put it all in Microsoft. Yep. And, and uh, I forgot about great. it. I couldn't find it. I had to go find a Charles Schwab office to un- unlock it and get it to me mm-hmm. uh, because they tried mailing it to my house numerous times and they couldn't. So. They, basically locked my account and next thing you know it's 2023 and it's $40,000 it's like well yeah. was I smart or was I dumb and lucky I think I think the latter <laughs> no like quite often I'll tell you know uh, clients will you know their kids will want to start buying something or help them fund a Roth IRA so I'll log in and show them how to buy an ETF but always always reinvest those dividends um, and then, you know, you can use like the Fidelity Go or Acorns where you just set up these automatic monthly contributions and, and make sure the dividends are reinvested. And now that Fidelity and Acorn and all these other companies would buy fractional shares with those dividends, uh, they're always getting put to work. 
and it just builds up so quickly over time. It's, uh, you know, such a great way to start your kids on investing where you set it up and then you say, Hey, how's that account doing about two years later? And they're like, Oh, wow, that's doing really well. It's, it's got a little different though. Um, so acorns is that app that Chad and I both, uh, tried out because it was popular. It was all over CNBC commercials. Um, it takes the remainder of your change when you buy a coffee for $4 and 70 cents. It takes 30 cents and invests it. You can set up a, a, a once a week contribution, a hundred dollars on Fridays, for instance. Um, but they are starting to change a little bit. I like the basic account, but now you can now buy stocks, Chad. Did you know that? Yeah, they, they're, uh, you know, they'll, they'll transition to just different products over time because that, that robo advisor business where, you know, here's kind of a free portfolio. Yes. Um, it, it's, you know, it's the law of large, you have to have it so large to actually make money. So their idea is that they'll offer other money market services, loans, the ability to buy stocks, cryptocurrencies, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's kind of the fintech way right now. I hear you. So what topic should we move on to now? And and the other one too, like, I think that Fidelity Go has a really great robo option for, like, for beginning investors. I don't use that one. Tell me about it. Well, it's, it's in their Fidelity index fund. So I, you know, I prefer ETFs, but it's, it's basically free under 25 grand. Now it looks like when I go to Fidelity Go website. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts, regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. 25 years ago, I knew that anyone could pick an investment advisor, investment advisors were growing on trees at that point in time not hard to pick growth stocks it's it's hard but it's a computer can do it let's put it that way quant can do it for sure i saw the value of a cfp a certified financial planner and as i've grown in the last 25 years personally my wealth has grown i work with a cfp i would never ever ever have known how many services a cfp can offer jen and i were just talking during the commercials um about you know what private equity private debt private real estate. There's a lot of good services out there for the wealthy who use CFPs. Chad, let's talk a little bit about concentrated stock positions because that's a blessing and a curse in my family. We have a very big concentrated stock position. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a large creator of wealth, but then a large source of retirement risk because okay. if you go into retirement, uh, I mean, it's, it's easy. We can look at, you know, WorldCom, Enron, um, there was laws created out of issues where people had the majority of their retirement accounts and their life in a single stock and it went to zero. Um, now, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say like Apple and Microsoft are going to go to zero, but you, there, there has to be at least some point in your life where you start doing some risk reduction. Right. Um, you know, it, it's really, as you go into retirement, you know, it's, you really want to try to get to a point where you've got less than 5% in a single stock position. 
Um, that's hard to do though in the Bay Area, right? Because you're working for a company, they're giving you RSUs, um, which are you know form of stock options. It used to be non-qualified and incentive stock options, but those are not as common as just RSUs. These these restricted stock units that they vest, you pay taxes and then you just hold them. And you can buy stock at a discount in the employee purchase plan. Sometimes companies give the, the 401k match in the form of company stock. And so as you're younger, it's really hard not to be well overweight in company stock, and that can be a good source of wealth. But as you age, you've you've got to kind of start dealing with that issue. So, um, And we go through these waves of dealing with it, whether it's 1999, 2006, and now, now where you know we've got clients at, at Broadcom, uh, Microsoft, Cisco, Amazon, wherever that, that, okay, these stock prices are really, really high. PE ratios are pretty high and it's time to maybe pull some off the table. And how do you do that? Um, on a simple factor, if you become well overweighted in a company stock, one of the things that you want to do is start selling your RSUs as they vest because a restricted stock unit RSUs as they vest, the company, you know, withhold some taxes and there's no tax per, there's no reason at all to continue to hold them after that period. You might as well sell after they vest and reinvest it in a more diversified portfolio because there's no tax strategy there. Um, does that make sense? Whereas incentive stock options or non-qualified stock options, there can be some tax strategies around those that we weren't, I'm not going to get into today. It's complicated, um, but it makes sense. And yeah. the way you and I used to talk about it years ago was, Apple would pay you more, but they don't have to because it can give you stock options. So you have to look at it more as income than an investment per se. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, the other issues that, you know, ESPPs, there's certain holding periods that you have to do that um, you get a discount on the stock, but there's certain holding periods in order to qualify for as much capital gains tax treatment as possible versus ordinary income. Capital gains are much lower than ordinary income for most people in California. So that's the next thing to you know start trimming. Um, as you're working for a company, you always have to ask, you know, am I do I have any trade restriction issues? Do I have to trade within a certain window? Um, for some on the executive side, when they have access to inside information, we have to do what's called a 10B51 plan, um, where if there's heavy restrictions and they have a certain selling strategy, it's it's basically like submitting a document to um, HR and counsel is saying, I'm going to sell these number, this percentage of shares or this dollar amount every quarter going forward so that you don't have to be as tied to that trading window, I guess you could now, say. What does a 10B51 accomplish? Um, it, it's the insider. It's avoiding um, trading stock and looking like you're doing it with insider okay. trading information. That's um, so that's harsh, Chad. Like you're, asking, you're asking people to like, you're asking people to know that. That's That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the preferred way to deal with highly concentrated stock is using options like selling calls and in some cases buying puts to protect the downside. But a lot of companies, um, you know, don't allow their employees to trade options on stock positions at all. So you have to realize that. Um, so when you're when you're dealing with concentrated stock, let's say you've hmm. retired or you're not dealing with any trade restrictions or windows. And you're like, I really want to start pulling income from this portfolio. I've got a million dollars in a concentrated stock position and I want to pull 5% or 50 grand a year, but I don't want to just sell everything and pay taxes. Um, there's a couple ways to do that. If income is your primary, uh, 
you know, desire right now. And you want to like, you know what, I want to still participate in the upside, but if it goes up by a certain amount, I know I'm going to want to sell it anyways. And if it goes down, I want to protect a little bit of a downside. You can sell calls on the position, which, which limits your upside a bit, but gives you some income immediately. Um, and that income from selling the calls, uh, helps kind of protect the, helps, helps buffer the downside a little bit. So in some, I was, you know, in some cases you can, you know, increase your income on a stock three to 5% and not really have much of a, uh, selling situation unless the stock goes way up. And if it goes way up, you're going to want to sell some anyway. Um, so it's a really good strategy. So you and I talk about options quite a bit in terms of, we don't really look at it as a way to build wealth, but it's a way to protect, to protect wealth or create a tax strategy or, you know, a, a slow reduction in a position strategy. Now, if you're, if you have a really highly concentrated stock position, and you know you want to sell, but you're like, hey, I have high income this year, but I'm retiring next year. So I want to put off the sale of that stock until next year. Um, so you're you're looking for more of a hedging strategy. Right. You can sell some calls, which limits your upside because somebody else can call the stock away from you if it hits a certain point way up, usually a you know, 15% to 20% range. And when you get that cash dumped into your account from selling the calls, you can use those calls to buy puts, protective puts, which limits your downside after a certain amount. So it creates what's called a caller on the position. So you have a known price on the upside and the downside, and it's not going to go beyond that. And so that sometimes lets people feel comfortable like, okay, I can push this off. And I know, you know, I know what my outcomes on the upside and the downside are. It's going to be somewhere in between. And I can put the tax off of it until next year. I got a cute story for you. One of my recent pints and portfolios events, I met a man who worked at Costco and uh, all he ever did was buy Costco stock because it was the simplest thing to do with his paycheck. And he had a highly concentrated position. And I was like, you should consider a, a strategy to generate a little bit more income. And he, ignorance is blessed to him. He's like, nope, I'm good. Um, but it made me smile because like he's not getting the efficiencies. He's not even getting a little bit more income or a little bit more protection or a little bit more um, juice out of it, so to speak. But uh, cute, right? That you can work at Costco and become a multimillionaire. Yeah. I mean, it, like and some of the positions that I've done this with over the last two years, like Microsoft and Apple, um, it's created income without having to sell hardly any shares. Yeah, right. Because you're not you're not letting the stock get called away. You're you know buying an option back if you need to. There's all sorts of strategies around. It's probably hard to kind of explain on radio. I think the point is that there are strategies that are out there. Another one is an exchange fund. So if you have a highly concentrated position, you don't really need it right now. Um, and you'd you know if if you if taxes weren't an issue, you would sell it and invest in a diversified portfolio. Um, higher net worth people can do these things called exchange funds where you, you know, here's my shares of a stock. I'm going to put it in a more diversified portfolio. And after typically a seven year time frame, you're then given back a more diversified portfolio of other stocks. How does that work? Is it something that a retail investor can do or is that a, a company you have to go to that does it for you? Yeah. Um, we usually, there's, there's a couple of companies that specialize in it and it's, it's a, it's a type of a fund um, oh. It is based on certain tax code and things like that. So it's pretty common. It's the issue is, is a lot of times, you know, there's already so many people with Microsoft and Apple. So sometimes it's hard to get that stock in there. Um, 
versus other positions because they they want to create this portfolio exchange fund of diversified stocks. So they'll only take so much Costco or Cisco or Microsoft right. or whatever. Um, and so that that is a way to fund risk. And then one of my favorite plan, which is kind of a combination plan, um, if we've got time, is uh, using what's called charitable remainder trusts to create a huge tax deduction for most people, uh, an income for life, and then something left over for charity. And then we use that big tax deduction to do an IRA Roth conversion to start setting up some tax-free growth for people. And that's really good for people with highly concentrated stocks or real estate that they want to get rid of. And they also have some sort of a charitable intent when they pass away. So... I'm still stuck on the uh, exchange fund. I get the charitable remainder trust, but the exchange fund to me, Chad, it's like, it's almost like a miracle. You put a highly concentrated position into like the microwave oven, you come back in seven years and you have a diversified portfolio. Yeah. That's, that's a cool product. I'm glad someone thought of that. We've got about a minute left. It's there. Here's what happens typically when we present these options to clients. Yes. Is that. Uh, we have more people that end up wanting to go with the option strategies or a charitable remainder trust in the exchange fund because of the lockup period. Right. Right. You know, you put it in there. It's, Hey, I can't touch it for five to seven years. Um, And, you know, there are some other options which offer some potential income in that period of time, but uh, it hasn't been a lot of execution on it, I guess you could say. So it's been an interesting show today. CFP Chad Burton's with me. We started talking a little market breath and we started talking about some of the products out there exchange funds, CRUTs, um, option strategies, access to alt investments, many of the services that CFPs offer on top of portfolio management. Um, I highly recommend if you're 50, 55, 60, heading towards retirement, have a net worth over 500,000 to 2 million plus, um, get a meeting, do a review, see what they have to say. CFP Chad Burton, we'd be more than happy to facilitate that with you at chadburton.com. Chad, let's talk a little rental property issues and what's going on with California. There's always headlines and it's always dramatic. Um, I was telling you that a lot of the eviction um, periods are, are now starting to open back up in, in California. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety on should I be a landlord or not and you know, renting versus owning. What are some of your yep. current thoughts? Well, the current thoughts is it's 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 kind of annoying right now. I mean, there's there's a huge insurance issue in California. Um, at a client that within a two week period they uh, they they lost their insurance on their second home in El Dorado Hills and on their office property in Los Altos. Wow. Um, there's just a mass exodus of insurance companies right now in California, and so like in their case. I think what they had to end up looking at is pure and chub and maybe one other option. Right. Um, and then for them that that was limited to buildings with at least a $2 million above rebuild costs. So it, it was, you know, it was a scramble. And as we've gotten into the situation where prices have increased, but rents haven't caught up and there's all these rental laws and issues in California, I've got clients that are are wanting to get out of, actively manage rental properties left and right. It's just like this, all of a sudden this big <laughs> wave of I'm done. Uh, I'm, I've got this, you know, by the time I look at my net income on this rental property in the Bay area, I'm literally, you know, here's my rental income minus my property taxes, my insurance, property management fees. If you have them, annual maintenance costs, 
Um, I had to just put 25 grand in after the last renter moved out. Um, all these things are just, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm going into retirement. I want life simple. So they're looking to, you know, either sell and pay taxes or do a 1031 exchange into something passive. Uh, or in some cases you can use a, a charitable remainder trust as well. And if you have a rental property, you know, you want to sell. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's an issue. I mean, there's some, some awful rental laws that are not really doing much for people wanting to stay or be in California. You know, every now and then I have a, an epiphany and one of them was once I bought real estate in my twenties, my thirties, my forties and fifties. And it always stressed me out when I bought, but I did. And I've accumulated some nice wealth that way. I just got an epiphany from what you just said. I own a rental property. It's not in California. Um, and it's probably for the exact reasons. I even bought a vacation home that was going to be a rental property, but I decided not to ultimately because of horror stories tied towards renters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my epiphany. <laughs> You're saying that's not a good one, but it is. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the people too that will look at plans, we'll start looking at, you know, we, I need to start doing a plan or have a productive meeting. I need a tax return and statements and, and then I can put the puzzle together and, when I look at the Schedule E on a tax return, which is this is your P&L, your profit and loss statement for your rental property, essentially, um, I, f- I find that a lot of people just haven't kept up with their rent increases. And yeah. that's an issue as well, because I think there's I'm not a real estate expert on law or anything, but I think there's something going on where if you don't keep up with the the increases in rent and if that renter moves out, you have a tough time jacking up the rent to current market rates because I have a lot of clients like, well, we're we're you know, we really like the tenant. They've been there for 15 years. They don't really ever call us. And and I'm like, yeah, but your net income on your property is two and a half percent. Like you can get 5% in a bank account right now. You know, it's, it, that's an issue. I still know um, people, Chad, who are negative cash flow, that they're not even two and a half percent, that they're willing to lose money to what they pay on their mortgage because they think real estate always goes higher. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's silly at times to say the least. Well, it does with inflation. I mean, the, the only way that real estate ever keeps up with stocks is because of leverage. Because if you, if you take a uh, rental property that you buy with cash yep. and put the same amount in a stock market and reinvest the dividends, and every time you have to put maintenance into the house, pay your insurance bill, whatever, you put that same amount of money into a stock portfolio, the stock portfolio is going to crush it every single time, hands down. So the only way that it gets you ahead is to leverage it because you can borrow money from a bank, get a much larger asset growing at, you know, inflation versus just your down payment growing at the stock market. And, um, and then have somebody else pay that loan off for you. Somebody else is buying you that asset. That's how real estate works. And so I love real estate. Um, and you know, own pieces myself, but, uh, I, I much prefer the simplicity of stocks. And I think that when you look at dividends too, and people understand the passive income that comes from stocks, especially increasing dividend style stocks that you see in an ETF like VIG, um, Vanguard Dividend Appreciation Index. You know, you can see stocks that clearly have a history of increasing their dividend, even in down markets. Um, That's passive income with little to zero effort, right? So it's a great way to have your retirement income. I had a horrible question where someone is a mortgage broker and he asked me recently, um, how can I get more income? And he wanted to trade stocks. And I'm like, your industry is already pretty shaky right now with number of loans. Like, don't, please don't make it worse, but you can increase income through time by investing in more stocks and buying back more stocks. But um, that's for another day. We've got about 45 seconds, Chad. Any final thoughts? Um, 
Well, I, I think that, yeah, I think that another area where you can deal with real estate that you don't want to own anymore is charitable remainder trust where you, if you have like, let's so you got a $2 million property, but eventually you want to leave half a million to your favorite charity. You can put it into a trust, sell it without paying current taxes, create income for life and have a little bit left over for charity and get a big tax deduction for doing so. So lots of options there too. You can find Chad in the world of podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. You can find him at uh, the podcast store. Uh, new Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. It's New Focus on Wealth. You can find his website at chadburton.com. If you're over 50, have 500,000 plus, heading towards retirement or in retirement, you can set up a review with him by going to his website, chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.